right, are we good? We're going to get straight into the word because there's a few things that I want to cover um, as we, um, um, I don't know if we're concluding the subject, I, I don't know, I don't know unless I'm concluding it, but uh, probably we are. But I can't promise. All right. Can I see with a show of hands, how many of you guys do not know what praying in the Spirit is all about? You do not know what is praying in the Spirit about. You've got no clue. You, you have not even heard that there's something called praying in the Spirit. Can I see? Is anyone like that who does not know what praying in the Spirit is about? So all of you guys, you know what praying in the Spirit is. Are you all alone? Oh, yes, ma'am. Okay. So the rest of you guys, you know what praying in the Spirit is? Church, do you know what praying in the Spirit is? How? All right. How many of you guys know what praying in the Spirit is, but you do not pray in the Spirit? But you know what it is about, but you do not pray in the Spirit. Can I see with a show of hands? All right. One, two. One, two. Okay. How many of you guys do pray in the three? How many of you guys do pray in the Spirit? Can I see? There are hands that have never been lifted up in all the questions. How many of you guys um, feel like you need more understanding on the subject of praying in the Spirit? More understanding, all right? Okay, all right. How many of you guys think, like, I know all that, that needs to be known concerning praying in the Spirit? There's nothing else that I need to know. I've got it all. If your hand is not going up now, it should have went up the previous time. <laughs> All right. So we've been doing a series. Um, we've been talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Am I right? Is that what we've been calling the title? The gift of the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. All right. So today I want to talk about that, and I want to uh, pray for those that do not pray in the Spirit. I want to pray for those that do not pray in the Spirit. And if you are here this morning and you do not pray in the Spirit, you will pray in the Spirit today. But I want you to have an understanding of what praying in the Spirit is all about. Amen? What praying in the Spirit is all about. So there are a few things that we've been looking into. I don't want to go into a deep uh, uh, um, uh, uh, recap of what we've been talking about. Uh, I want to jump straight into it because I want to spend some time praying for people. Um, but we've been talking a bit about the Holy Spirit, who he is, and um, um, his, his assignment, his ministry, and who he's supposed to be, uh, who he's supposed to be in our lives and stuff like that, amen? Now, um, what if I want to bless the parents? <laughs> Praise God. All right, so we're going to talk about uh, praying in the Spirit, all right? Which is one of the things that the Holy Spirit has come to enable us to do. And uh, we will also talk about the benefits of praying in the Spirit. Uh, what do we get out of it? And uh, I still feel that we do not take advantage of this gift enough. I still feel like 
we still lack an understanding of this precious gift of praying, of having a heavenly prayer language. Um, you cannot go a day without praying in tongues. Then you don't understand the effectiveness of praying in tongues. Uh, now, praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit, praying in your heavenly language, that is the same thing, all right? Uh, you may call it praying, having a, a heavenly prayer language. You may call it praying in the Spirit. You may call it praying in tongues. That is the same thing, all right? There is no difference. You with me? When I say I'm praying in tongues, I'm also saying I'm praying in the Spirit. I'm also saying I'm praying in the heavenly prayer language. I'm saying the same thing. Are we together? Now, God has given us this language called tongues that we may be able to relate with him, to commune with him, to connect with him. And it's very, very powerful and very, very effective when you understand, you know, uh, 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 what it's all about and it will really benefit you. All right, let's pray and get into today's teaching. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this awesome privilege we have of being able to come together to study and fellowship around your word. I make it known this morning that I'm not trusting or depending on my limited human abilities to minister to these your people, but I'm trusting you, Holy Spirit, because you are the most qualified teacher. Therefore, I submit myself to you that you may speak through my lips, through every heart, removing fear and confusion. Thank you for supernatural recall of the scriptures, and I believe your word will flow through my mouth accurately with power and authority unhindered and distracted by any demonic force in Jesus' mighty name. And Father, we'll be careful to give you alone the praise, the honor, and the glory for all that will be revealed and accomplished through your word in this morning's service. Thank you for the privilege I have of being a servant as I serve your family with this word that changes lives in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody say amen. amen. All right, praise God. Open your Bible with me to the book of Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. Say this with me. Say, I am a spirit. I am a spirit. I have a soul. And I live in the body. Say, God created me a spirit being. You see, in the book of Genesis 1, 26, God had a conversation. And uh, he said, let us make man in Genesis 1, 26, right? Let us, have, let us make man in our own image according to our likeness. And God was having this talk to himself, but he was actually talking to the Trinity. We spoke about the Trinity last week. We talked about the Godhead last week. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And he said, let us make man according to our image and according to our likeness. And I've always said image is to look like God and likeness is to act like God, right? Say this to me. Say, I look like God. And I act like God. Or should we put it this way? God wants me to look like him. God wants me to act like him. Amen. Even Paul says, he says imitate me as I imitate God. Amen. We are uh, uh, copious of God. We should copy God. We should do what God does. We should say what God says. Jesus says, I do nothing until, until my father tells me. I say nothing unless I hear my father say it. Amen? And we're supposed to be like that. We're supposed to do nothing unless our father tells us. And we should say nothing unless our father authorizes us to say. If the words that we speak all the time will be the words of Jesus, I promise you, life will be a different place. Amen? We will never hurt each other, <clears throat> we will never offend each other, we will never make each other angry if the words that we say to one another were words 
that God speaks. But now, we speak a whole lot of things. We speak our minds. We like telling people, I want to give you a piece of my mind. I don't know who told you that I want your piece. You know? Uh, so, so many people have given so many pieces over their minds, they've got no more pieces left. All right? So, I want to give you a piece of my mind. How many times have you been giving pieces? All right. And how many pieces do you know you have? What if you have run out of pieces of your mind? You know, I mean, you can see with how people behave sometimes that there is no more mind because all the pieces are gone. <laughs> all right. Praise God. No, we don't want to give a piece of our minds. We want to give a piece of God's mind. Amen? We spoke about being godly last week. Praise God. We must be godly consistently. Our godliness must be consistent. Say, my godliness must be consistent. Amen? Now, in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5 and verse 23, look at verse 23. The Bible says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Say, I'm sanctified. The word sanctified means to be set apart, separated. Amen? So when God sets you apart, he sets you apart from the rest. Amen? He selects you from the rest. So he says here, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole what? Your whole what? Come on. Spirit. May your whole? And your whole? Let's start again. And may your whole? Your whole? Your whole? Be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now look at the order that is placed here. Do we see body coming before spirit or spirit coming before body or soul becoming before spirit and body and everything? Which one is the first? Do you know why is it the first? It's not a mistake. It's not because God just chose to use spirit first there. He could have used body or soul. No, he could not have used any other one but spirit because he wrote it according to the way he did because that is how the order is. It is first spirit and then soul and then the body. Are you with me? That is the order. The most important part of you is the spirit. Say, the most important part of me is the spirit part of me. Because the spirit part of me is who I am. The real me is the spirit, not what I see in the mirror. What I see in the mirror, that's my body. All right. Now, what is your body? Your body is like this jacket that I'm wearing. It's what you put on yourself. So God created you, spirit being, and then he put the body on you, the spirit being, so that you may be able to, you know, uh, uh, function in this world. Are we together? I mean, without clothes, you can't go outside, right? You can't function outside without the body, right? <laughs> I get what I'm told. So, so, so it's the same thing. Why wouldn't you go outside without the body, without your clothes? Why? Are you with me? So, so, so. In this world, spirits without bodies are illegal. Are you with me? Spirits without bodies are what? Illegal. So God knew that as much as you are spirit, which he created you to be, you cannot function in the world because in the world, it is bodies that function. Hello? So now, 
soul, body, be preserved blameless. Your body is your mind, your will, your emotions. We know that, right? Your soul, your, your, your mind, your will, your emotions. Now, that spirit part of you, in John chapter 4, verse 24, can we see John chapter 4, verse 24? Now, God said in John 1, 26, let us make men in our own image, in our image, right? We know that one. Let us make men in our image. So say, I've been made by, by the image of God. Now, let's find out how does God look like so that we may find out what he made us to be since he is, since he said, let us make men in our image. So how is God like and what part of God are we made to be like? In, in John 4, 24, it says God is what? Human. Is God human? Talk to me now. Is God human? Is God flesh? Is God body? Is God soul? What is God? God is? Say this. If God is spirit, and I've been made according to his image, that means I've been made to be like God, a spirit being. Say, I am a spirit having a human experience. I am not a human having a spiritual experience. The real me is the spirit me. Now look at me. He said, now, those who worship him must worship him how? In how? In how? In how? In spirit. In spirit. And the next verse, goes to the next verse because he says, because God is looking for those. Uh, is that the next verse? Is this the next verse? No, that's 25. Go to 23. He says, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers, the what? The true worshipers, the true worshipers will worship the Father how? How do true worshipers worship? In spirit and in truth. Truth means in line with the word because the word is truth. Right? We spoke about Jesus being the truth and, you know, Jesus being one with the word and stuff like that last week. Now, he says, the Father is looking for true worshipers. Now, if the Bible talks about true worshipers, that suggests to us that there may be false worshipers. Hello? There may be worshipers, but these worshipers may not necessarily be true worshipers. But the true worshipers, how they worship God is in spirit. Say true worship is worship in spirit. Say true worship is done in spirit. Think about that. Let me ask. How many of you guys know exactly how to worship God in spirit? Can I see? You know exactly what to do to worship God in spirit. So the full understanding of it. All right. Looks like I'm talking to the right people. All right. Okay. How many guys do not know 100% how to worship God in spirit? Can I see? How many guys don't know how to answer this question? <laughs> he says, the hour is coming. And the hour has arrived. Because there's now is, which means it has arrived. Which hour? The hour, the time when 
The true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And look at this, because the Father is seeking such. What is the Father seeking? Such what? True worshipers. So that means the Father is busy walking around among people going like, uh, no, you, you're a worshiper, but you're not a true worshiper. Uh, you're a worshiper, but you're not a true worshiper. Let me see. He's seeking. You're a worshiper, but you're not a true worshiper. Hallelujah. You know, the Father is seeking. You're a worshiper, but you're, you're not a true worshiper. You're worshiping. Not a, you know, oh. They're eating this. They're eating sweets. The mdolos, the wife is sitting behind the husband, giving her sweets, and I'm about to come. And when I come, she has the sweets. So I took the one on her finger. Let me finish. It takes long to chew, huh? So the father is seeking for what? He's seeking for what? True worshippers. And, and he is seeking for true worshippers because not everybody is a what? A true worshipper. So he is seeking for what? Are you a true worshiper? Are you a true worshiper? Are you a true worshiper? Are you, are you, are you with me? He is seeking for worshiper. He's seeking for what? True worshiper. Why? Because not many in the church or not many in the body of Christ are what? True worshippers. So the father is what? Seeking. He's seeking. There's a, a verse in the Bible that talks about the devil also seeking. Bible says he walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And I believe those that he may devour are those that are not true worshippers. Those are not true worshippers. They are easily devoured. True worship is worship that comes from the heart. Because the word heart and spirit are the same thing. True worship is worship that comes from the spirit, that comes from the heart. True worship is not mental worship. True worship is not emotional worship. It's not manipulating worship. You know that people that worship God to manipulate God. Oh, Father, I worship you. If you could bless me, I'll be good to you. That's manipulation worship. Bribing worship. Hello? Oh, Father, if you can give me so much money, that's when I'll begin to tithe. Listen, if you're not a tither now, you still won't be a tither even if you have a lot of money. The richer you become, the stinger you become. You don't become more generous because you've got more money. Generosity is not about the amount of money you have. Generosity is about the kind of heart you have. If you are stingy broke, you'll be stingy rich. Stinginess is a spirit. It's a demonic spirit. It's a spirit that refuses to be like God. God is a giver. Stinginess is a spirit. You need to be delivered from the spirit of stinginess. You need to be delivered from the spirit of always taking and always wanting to be giving, always expecting. You need to be delivered from that so you can become a giver. For God so loved the world that he, what? he gave. We have the spirit of God. We are givers. We don't look at what we have to determine what to give. We give regardless of whatever we have. Askis. Askis. I did not mean to. All right. Now, let's continue. God is what? He's a spirit, right? And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in? And in truth. Why? Because the Father is seeking who? Such. Such that will worship him. 
that will worship him. Now, go to Ephesians 5.18. Are you there? The Bible says, and do not be drunk with wine. Okay, it didn't say puza, it says drunk. I that's, that's how drunkards want to debate this thing. All right? Do not be drunk with wine. It said, Pastor, I did not say I must not drink. It said I must not be drunk. Uh, there is a point. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation or debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. Now, there's a comparison there. He says, instead of being drunk with wine, rather be filled with what? The Spirit. So, in other words, the same effects that wine has on you could be the same effect that being filled with the Spirit has on you. Otherwise, God will not compare the two. When you are filled with the Spirit, you tend to behave sometimes or act sometimes or talk sometimes as one who is drunk because you can be so filled with the Spirit that you are outside of your mind because the Spirit, oh, you know, you can be outside of your mind and fully present in the Spirit. When someone is drunk, they are outside of their mind. Hey. When someone is drunk, even the way they talk, it is different from how they normally talk. When someone is drunk, you can even see with their tone and the way they look at you. They're looking at you, but they're actually looking at him. When someone is drunk. When you are full with the spirit, you're outside of your mind. Where's your mom? She went to an event. Tell her this is a very good event. No one is preaching with me now, you know. Are you with me? So God says, don't depend on the feeling that getting drunk gives you. Depend on the feeling of being filled with the Spirit. Because being, being drunk with wine is a cheap imitation of what being filled with the Spirit is. So, so, so the devil is a copycat, and he always wants to, you know, you, know, you know, replace what God does. So because now he doesn't want to be filled with the Spirit, he now brings this cheap imitation of being drunk. And he says, no, being drunk is better than being filled with the Spirit. But hey, being filled with the Spirit is much more greater than being drunk. Do not be drunk with wine. Be drunk with the Spirit. The time you spend in investing on getting drunk with wine, use that to be drunk with the Spirit. Hallelujah. Praise God. John 14, 17. We, we, we looked at that quick. Let's look at that quickly. We're building up somewhere. We're going somewhere quickly. We're going to get there now. Uh, John, John what? 14, 17. Quickly. Uh, but the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, the world can't receive it. Why? Because it neither sees him nor knows him. 
But you know him. Say, I know him. Because he lives in me. Amen? He said, but he, you know him, for he dwells in you and will be with you. He said he will never leave you nor forsake you. So he's always with you. Amen? Say, I know him. Amen? Go to John 10, 27. Say, I know him. Quickly, John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they what? They follow me. Say, I know his voice, because he lives in me. And I know he will never leave me, or he will never forsake me. Amen, family? Go to John 7.37. John 7.37. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me for a drink. If anyone does what? Don't go to the Shabin to drink. If anyone thirsts, what must he do? Jesus said, he must do what? He must come to me for what? Say, say Jesus makes us drink. All right? Yeah. Not my mom keys. All right. He said, let, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Let's continue. Verse 38. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, spirit, all right, out of his spirit, heart, will flow what? Rivers. Rivers of what? Living, not dead water, but what kind of water? Living water. Rivers of it. Rivers of it. All right. Let's continue. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit. He spoke this concerning what? The Spirit. Whom those who believe in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So Jesus had to leave for the Holy Spirit to come, but he spoke of the promise, and then he said, those that thirst must come to me for a drink. They must come for me for what? For a drink. Remember, he just told us not to get drunk with wine. Now he's telling us not to drink, to come and drink from him. What verse is this? 39. All right. Now, this drink that Jesus is talking about, he says, anyone who drinks from me, The kind of drink that I give, after you drink this kind of drink, you will never thirst anymore. He says, you will never thirst anymore. And the woman that Jesus was talking to was like, what are you talking about? Are you greater than our fathers? He said, what do you mean? Because this woman was by the well, and she was drawing water from the well. And then he said, woman, give me a drink. And he said, how is it that you being being a Jew will ask for a drink from a Samaritan because we've got no dealings with Samaritans. He said, listen, if you knew who it is that is asking you for a drink, you'd have asked him to give you a drink and he will give you, giving you a drink that when you drank it, you will not thirst anymore. So she was amazed. And what is this man talking about? Because she was thinking about the drink that she was drawing from the well, but Jesus was not talking about the drink that the woman was drawing from the well. Jesus was talking about the drink of the Holy Ghost. He was talking about the drink of the Holy Spirit. That those that receive after they received him, they will never thirst anymore. 
That's what Jesus was talking about. Now, how do we drink from the Holy Spirit? How do we have this kind of a drink? That's where we're going to today. Let's find out. Do you want to find out? Praise you, Jesus. Now go to Acts 19. Acts 19, verse 1 and 2. Quickly. We're going to be quickly reading scriptures today because I want to get something. I'm going to get somewhere. Acts 19, verse 1, 2 and 6. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. Let's go. And said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. All right. Go to verse 6. Verse 6. And when Paul had laid hands on them, what did Paul do to them? He laid hands on who? He laid hands on who? Those that did not even know about the Holy Spirit. So he laid hands on them so that they could what? Receive the Holy Spirit. When Paul had laid hands on them, what happened? The Holy Spirit did what? Came up on them. What did he do? He came what? Up on them. Upon them. And what did they do? They began to what? Speak with tongues and prophesy. They began to what? What made them to prophesy? What enabled them to prophesy? What enabled them to speak in tongues? The Holy Spirit which they received away. When the labor of hands was done on them. Are we together? Hello? All right. Now let's go to Acts 10 verse 44. Acts 10 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit did what? Fell on those who did what? Who did what? Heard the word. Those that were listening to what? Not generations. Not my piano. The Holy Spirit fell on those that were? Listening to the word. So what are you guys doing right now? What are you listening to right now? Are you listening to YFM? All right, there's no Holy Spirit that's going to fall upon you listening to YFM. I trust, trust me. No. He will come because you're listening to what? The Word. Now, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the Word. Continue. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. They were like shocked. As many as came with Peter. Because the gift, what? Say the Holy Spirit is my gift from the Father. Because the gift of the Holy Spirit, check what happened, had been poured out on the Gentiles also. So they were shocked that even the Gentiles, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Continue, verse 46. How did they know that the Holy Spirit had fell upon them? How did they know? Verse 46 tells us, they know this how? Because they heard them do what? They heard them do what? They, speak, they heard them speak in tongues and magnify God. What enabled them to speak in tongues? Because the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Why did the Holy Spirit fall upon them? Because they were listening to what? Say, so when I listen to the word, the Spirit of God is present, and the Spirit of God 
will come upon me and enable me to do that which I could not do without the Spirit of God. Hey! Woo! Well, they had them speak in tongues and magnify God. Say, I can speak in tongues to magnify God. Not to magnify the problem. Say, when the problem is big, I tap into my heavenly language and I magnify God by speaking in the Holy Ghost. When you magnify God, you are not making God, you are not making God bigger. He's already big. You are making the problem, your view of the problem small and your view of God more bigger. All right. Cool, cool. Now, go to Acts 2 verse 4. Acts 2 verse 4. And they were all, how many? They were all, what's left outside of all? Say all means all because that is what all means. What does all mean in Chinese? It means everything. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And what did they do? They began to do what? Speak with other tongues. Check this out. And the Spirit gave them the ability. As the Spirit gave them the utterance. Amen? Go to Acts 2, verse 1. Acts 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were, how many of them were there? How many were there? They were all in one accord, meaning they were in one mind, in one mission, same agreement. They were, they were not divisions. They were not divided. They were all in one place with one accord. And this is what happens when people are in unity. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house. That's why you need to go to love groups. Because the Holy Spirit fills houses, right? And they were filled and filled the whole house where they were sitting. So check what happens when they were, the Holy Spirit filled the whole house when they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. Woo! Follow the Holy Ghost. Say fire, fire is about to hit this place. In a few minutes, come on, in a few minutes, fire is going to hit this place. Watch now, watch now, watch what's going to happen. And there appeared to them divided tongues as of what? Come on, as of? Uh-uh, as of? <laughs> Shoot now. And one set upon each of them, continue. And they were all, how many? They were what? All filled with the what? With the Holy Spirit and began to speak how? With other tongues. And the Spirit gave them the ability. Ah, now, let's quickly look at the benefits of this praying in tongues, all right? Now, 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 you know how praying in tongues come. You know 
what happens before praying in tongues. Now that you pray in tongues, what are the benefits? What are you benefiting from praying in tongues? All right. Can we talk about that quickly? All right. Now open your Bible to 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14. Come on now, come on now, come on now. Thank you, Jesus. Now, 1 Corinthians 14 says, For he who speaks in a tongue, say with me, say, I can speak in the tongue, I can pray in a tongue, I can sing in a tongue. Let's put it this way. I can speak in the spirit, I can pray in the spirit, and I can sing in the spirit. Okay? Say, I can speak in my heavenly language. I can pray in my heavenly language. And I can sing in my heavenly language. You see, you cannot accuse this church that it never taught you, that you never understood. Mm -mm. I'll stand up there in heaven with the angels and say, you are lying. I taught on this subject. Amen? I'm like, Jesus, that one is lying, oh. She was my member. I taught. (laughs) For he who speaks, or she who speaks, in a tongue, in the spirit, in a heavenly language, does not speak to men. But he speaks to who? Say, when I speak in tongues, I am not having a conversation with people. I'm having a conversation with God. He says, for no one understands. However, in the flesh, in the soul, in the emotions, in the feelings, in, in his dreams, where? 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 So when I speak in tongues, where am I? I'm speaking in English right now. I'm speaking in English right now. Where am I? Where am I? I'm speaking in Where am I? I'm in the what? In the flesh. I'm speaking in my language. I'm where? In the flesh. Now, I want to go into the spirit. I don't need to wait for a feeling. I don't really need to wait for goosebumps. I don't need to wait for anything. I can just enter right now. Where am I now? Where am I now? Where am I? Where am I? I'm in the spirit right now. Hello. Hello. Shiko dolo shaka masasa babo shekele baba singenile. People think that they are only entered because there was a feeling. Ah, the feeling is a cherry on top of the cake. Hello, the, the, the feeling is a cherry on top of the cake. The, the cherry on top of the cake is not the cake. We don't enter because we feel like we entered. We enter because we decided to enter. Hey! <laughs> Shoko, handala maska, bere kondolo manganga skele merende. However, in the spirit, he speaks what? Say, when I speak in tongues, I am speaking in the spirit. And in the spirit, 
I am speaking mysteries. Secrets of God. Say there are secrets of God. Not kept from me, but kept for me. Mom Dolo talked about how God is not a stingy God, but the reason why he won't give you that a thousand rand is because he's not trusting you yet with that one thousand rand. So God wants to walk in you so that when he releases that blessing, you will know how to deal with it. Are you with me? So the secrets of God are not kept from you. They are kept for you, for you to reach a certain level of maturity, of understanding, so that when you reach that and God releases that which he has been keeping for you, that you may know how to handle it and deal with it and benefit from it. But you gotta grow, you gotta grow. Huh? You're speaking in the spirit with your fingers. Jesus. Let's continue quickly, 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 quickly. Quickly. First Corinthians 14:4. Go to verse 4. Go to verse 4. He who speaks in a tongue does what? Say edify. Now, the word edify means to build up or to recharge. Most of you guys, you edified your cell phones this morning. How did you do that? Because your cell phone battery was dead, was low. So you connected it to a power source for recharging, for strengthening, right? So, the word edify is to recharge, is to strengthen, is to build up. The Bible says, he who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, recharges himself up, strengthens himself up, the one who prays in the spirit. So when I'm feeling weak, busted and disgusted, when I'm feeling low, when I'm feeling like a bus has hit me, when I'm feeling like, you know what, all hell is breaking loose and I don't know where to get life, I just feel like being on my bed the whole day, I don't feel like getting up, I don't feel like having life, I don't feel like any good thing is happening in my life. The Bible says that I can speak in the spirit to recharge my spirit, man, to recharge the real me. I can speak in my spirit to edify myself. I can speak in the spirit to do what? To build myself up. So I begin to go, I'm feeling, I'm feeling all weak, I'm feeling all tired. My mind is all over the place, you know, because listen, your mind does not work with your with your praying in tongues. What? Praying in tongues is not a mental thing, it's a spiritual thing. So you can be thinking about a whole lot of things while you are in the spirit, speaking the spirit. I'm speaking the spirit, my, my mind is all over the place. I'm thinking about what is making me feel so low and discouraged and, and defeated, but I yet I'm praying in the spirit. I don't even have energy in my praying. And I'm praying in the spirit as if I'm complaining because there's complaints in my head. But, but when you stay there a little longer, it's like a cell phone that has been charged for longer. The longer it's been charged, the more battery, the more power, the more edification. The, oh, sure, 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 sure. If you stay there a little longer, if you stay in the spirit, don't rush and leave. If you stay in the spirit, there is power that is getting transferred into your real person, into the real you, into your spirit, man. Power has been transferred on high. You start seeing your tone, your tone, start getting into alignment 
with, 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 with what you're saying with your mouth. Your mind, the thoughts in your mind, they start coming into alignment with what you're saying. Because energy is coming in. Power is coming in. Edification is coming in. Now, 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 now. The power that is coming out of your mouth, the power that is in your spirit, start now affecting your mind. Your mind now starts coming in alignment with what you're saying. And all the negative things start being dealt with, with the power that is coming in. And you stay there longer and longer and longer. And before you know it, you are on another level. You have now entered into the realm of the power of God or the spirit of God. But it can happen if you're praying for two minutes in, in the spirit. It won't happen if you're praying for 15 minutes in the spirit. you got to spend time in the presence of God. Ekiriya bakashandi. Say, Father God, thank you that as I pray in the Spirit, I'm building myself up. I'm recharging myself. Come on, let's recharge ourselves. Let's go. Thank you, 